Today date is 30th of July, 2023. We are working with the fourth step and have a 20 minute share by Maria M. After the speaker finished, there, are, there is open sharing possible. So Maria, the floor is yours and I will give you a five minute warning. Go ahead. Hello, everyone. My name is Maria M. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I thank you and my higher power for allowing me to do this service today. And I hope I can be of service to someone and helpful and useful. So I've been a compulsive eater as far as my childhood memories will take me. Um, I cannot remember a day or a time where I wasn't a compulsive eater. Um, I can remember putting sugar in water and stirring it up to get something sweet if there wasn't something sweet in the house. I can remember um, eating all of the goodies in the house and lying to my parents and saying I don't know who ate them and left me with a great deal of shame about that. And I ate my way up to 300 pounds by the time I was like in my late 20s and I had had a child by then. Um, my first meeting at Overeaters Anonymous, I thought everybody was at a party talking about God and I didn't know anybody and I thought they were all weirdos and I didn't go, I didn't stay, even though everyone was very kind to me and called me. And, um, I did go back at the suggestion of a counselor as my disease progressed. And a very kind woman told me at that beginner's meeting that I was not dumpy, that I was ill. And I stayed, and my life has never been the same. I lost 100 pounds in eight months. Um, I had to give up certain foods that um, she knew at that time I had a problem with. And I thought, oh, my God, what will I eat? There's nothing else in the world for me to eat. And I told her that. And she said, well, there are other things for you to eat. And she ran down the list. And I said, well, this can't be any crazier than any of the other diets that I had tried. And I had tried a lot of other diets. So I decided to give it a chance. And um, it was very helpful. And um, I was very um, successful for a long time um, staying in a step group. Um, over and over and over again and going to two meetings a week and working a heavily based tool-based program with a very strong sponsor until I wasn't. Um, I stopped going to my step group. Um, me and my best friend used to meet every week at a bookstore and go through the steps. And um, she, she moved to about an hour and a half away and I got lazy. And I started trying new foods and I fired my sponsor and I just one by one took the bricks out of the wall. And lo and behold, I was in relapse. And where did the relapse start? It started in my mind. I was in relapse for eight years and I thought I could handle um, sugar. And that was one of my biggest addictions. Um, so here I come into a big book meeting um, because for eight years, I tried to do it without a big book meeting because I was so stubborn because I just wanted to do what had worked so well for 18 years. And of course, that didn't work. And, you know, if you're being stubborn, um, 
don't be as stubborn as I was because I almost died. And eight years is a long time to be stubborn. And we're here to talk about step four. So what did I have to do to get to step four? Um, you know, in a big book program such as this, the food has to be down. You know, nobody could do a step four while they're still eating their alcohol foods. So don't lie to yourself and have an ace up your sleeve and still be eating alcohol food. It's like still using heroin and doing a four step. You know, it doesn't work. You're going to get something, but it's not going to be your spiritual experience that you need to survive food addiction. So I had to put down all my alcoholic foods and all my alcoholic food behaviors, and it was not fun. I cried like a baby. I told my sponsor, none of this food tastes good. I hate this food. And she was probably doing cartwheels because she knew I was taking step one. But <laughs> it was not fun. Um, so, but that was my step one experience. I did not like it. And guess what? You don't have to like your step one experience. Um, it did not last long. So that is the other thing I tell you. It does not last long. You know, within, I'd say, within two to three weeks, I had a different outlook. And my different outlook was, if I do these steps, I'm going to be free of this addiction. And I will no longer go through this cycle. So give me these steps. Like I just was like a horse with blinders on and give me this solution because I cannot keep doing this. I have been doing it for eight years, almost died, and I cannot keep doing this. So by now the food is down, I'm making contact with my higher power. I was a spoiled brat little kid. I had gone up into my room and I had slammed the door to my higher power and said, you left me here. You weren't going to help me anymore. And boom, I wasn't going to talk to you. And I was, but more like foxhole prayers. And you weren't going to listen anyway. So what the heck was the difference? But I had to change that belief because if I didn't, I wasn't going to get better. So I had to take the chance that my beliefs were perhaps wrong. As Fonzie would say in Happy Days, so I had to humble myself. This is all about being humbled. You know, it's just all about humility. And I was humbled. I was wrong. God hadn't left me. I left him. You know, I was the one. I was the one. Who was I to say that he was done with me? I was the one. You know, that's why I really urge you, if you're having trouble with step two, is to ask yourself, question your beliefs, question your fears. Just really look at your prejudices and maybe consider the fact that they may be wrong. So I cracked open that door that I had slammed like a toddler and I let my higher power in. And I didn't know at that time that my higher power loved me but I knew he was powerful because he got my sponsor better and he got the people, some of the people in these rooms that I'm looking at right now, he got them better. And I knew them before in my long-term sobriety. And I knew they didn't get better by themselves because if they could have, they would have because they are very strong little people and they would have. So something else got them better and it wasn't, it wasn't them. So now I'm making the decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. You, you can't, a four-step need, you need your higher power to do a four-step. You know, um, I was a terrible manager of my life and I needed to be fired. 
my management of my life got me a nice seat in Overeaters Anonymous, um, putting back on a large amount of the weight that I had lost previously, wanting to die, even though I had a wonderful life and wonderful people in my life. I did not have a miserable life. Nobody beat me. Nobody abused me. I had a wonderful life, had a wonderful home, had a wonderful job, and yet I wanted to die. So that's where my management of my life got me, is a nice seat in Overeaters Anonymous in that mental condition with all the bedevilments on page 52. I don't think we're up to page 52 yet. I don't think we are, are we? We're not there yet. No, right? Well, if, if you want to know where my mind was, read page 52. That's where I was. Um, so I made a decision that my higher power would be my director and my power, that he would be my he would give me direction and power. And the love I got later, you know, later, like now I have that. And that is growing, is awesome to me every single day. And I was fired. So now I've got this direction, I've got this power, I've got these heroin substances out of my system, absolutely, completely. I don't do the fifth ingredient or less, I make sure it is gone because I don't know any safe amount of heroin for me. So I'm on a mission. I've got to do this four step. Do I like doing a four step? No. Will I survive doing a four step? Yes. So you have to write the four step. The first two columns are easy. They're so easy. In fact, you'll probably enjoy them. Okay? You need to write down who or what you're angry with and you need to say why. So you're doing a house cleaning here. You're getting rid of unsaleable goods. I own a business. I do an inventory every year. If I don't do it, I will find that there are things in my business that I think are listed for sale that are not. If they are not listed for sale, they cannot sell. Beautiful shoes, beautiful jackets, coats, things. They're sitting on a shelf, all packaged up, ready to go, and they are not listed for sale. I don't do the inventory, I won't find them. Or I may find two things that are listed, and that means I have to cancel an order and get dinged on my account. I have to do an inventory. So I'm getting rid of the unsaleable items, the damaged items that are keeping me from the love and the direction and the power of my higher power. I have to do it. So the first thing we do is we three sections, resentment, fear, sex conduct, relationships. Sex conduct equals relationships, relationships of attraction specifically. So resentment is our number one offender. So we do it first. It's important. Without it, you know, if you don't look at resentment and you stay in the resentment, you're going down. Resentment doesn't care if it's justified. It doesn't care. The disease does not care about you. It doesn't care if it's justified. It doesn't care if I've been beaten down on the street and my family's been, it doesn't care. And if that has happened to you, I'm sorry. But is that the hill that you want to die on? You know, and it doesn't mean that it made it okay. It just means that we have to find a way to have peace with it in some, some way. We have to deal with it so that we can get through it. The things that were on my very first four step were heartbreaking to me. Were they on my second four step? No. After 18 years, were they on my second person? No, because I dealt with them and I had moved on and no longer took up space in my head. And these people did horrible things to me. I don't think about them anymore. I have moved on. 
Do I think about other things? Yes. <laughs> so there will always be another a hole in front of you. <laughs> so first two columns: people, places, things, institutions, sayings, whatever that irritate you, take up space in your head. I gotta let my dog in, he's barking. Anyway, um, so they're easy. We all know who or what we're mad at. Second column is why. We all know why. We'd love to talk about that. Make it 20 words or less. That's gonna be the hard part. Let me let my dog in. <laughs> Come here, boo-boo. Come here, boo-boo. Here's your treat. Okay, so now we're gonna to get to the next part. How does this affect me? Well, if it doesn't affect you, why would you work on it? So it's affecting me. You know, um, if it doesn't affect you, you know, why would you want to deal with it? It's affecting my life. It's affecting my relationships, my self-esteem, my, my pocketbook. I'm losing money over this. Um, I'm losing sleep over it. I'm anxious all the time about it. I'm scared all the time about it. Of course, it's affecting me. Now I've got to pray for the person or thing, you know, pray, pray, pray. My, um, my inventory forms that I use had the prayer right, written right out. So I just prayed. If you don't feel like praying, pray anyway. And then I have to look at the hardest part. After I do the prayers for everybody and I, I work, you do all the people first, all the causes next, all the effects next all the prayers, and the final thing, after you've got it all out of your system, and this is the stinky part, you know, you're sitting in all this refeeling, all this resentment refeeling, and you're refeeling everything, and your blood's boiling. Ooh, keep that pen to the paper. Keep that pencil on the paper. Nope. I really don't believe people pick up when they've got the pencil on the paper. They pick up when they put the pencil down. So keep writing. Now you're going to write down your part. Selfish. The past didn't go your way. Did my childhood go my way? Hell no. I wanted a normal childhood. I didn't get it. Okay? So write down what the selfish is. Usually people, things didn't go our way. Dishonest. It helps to have some examples. So ask your sponsor for some examples of these four categories. Um, my sponsor gave me a whole printout of examples, and that helped me a lot. Um, dishonest. people. We expect people to be something that they're not. Have you done the same thing? Um, trying to think. Um, oh, do we expect sick people to act like well people? Is this how this person is? And um, we expect them to be something that they're not. Like, do we expect an alcoholic to act like they're sober? That's not going to happen. Do we expect an apology from somebody who's dead? That's not going to happen. You know, we have to be honest with ourselves. Have we done the same thing? I was in relapse for eight years. I was not a very present person. Self-seeking. It's usually an action. Or, you know, like, did I gossip about them? Was I sarcastic? Was I whining? Was I complaining? Did I steal? You know, what did I do? What did I do with my fear and with my um, dishonest and selfish thinking? What did I do with that? What did it look like? How did I act out? And fear, drill it down. 
And the question I asked myself with fear is, okay, um, so I'm thinking about the one that I sent yesterday. Um, I'm afraid of a fa this one particular family member because of one of their illnesses, it's an addiction. You know, I'm afraid of their temper. I'm afraid of their sanity. I'm afraid they'll make a bad decision and someone will get hurt and die. And that will be my fault. And I keep drawing it down. And if they get hurt, and, and I'm afraid something will happen to them. And Maria, I, I hate to interrupt Five minutes. And this is the, yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway, so, you know, I did all, and fear, drill it down. And fear and mature, you're going to do the same thing. Going to drill it down. What should I have done instead? The default answer is always trust and rely upon God. Um, and then we're going to go on to our sex conduct. Whom have I heard? You know, write it down. It's going to take you right through it. And there's always prayers that go with each one. Just make sure, for me, I had to do the columns vertically first and then move on. Um, so these defects of character, I saw that the same things were coming up over and over again. So I called my sponsor and I'm like, am I doing this right? Same thing keeps coming up. Like, I'm supposed to find other things? She said, no, it's what you're looking for. You're looking for the pattern. You're looking for your unique fingerprint of your defects of character because these will be cast out later in your step work. But we have to identify them first because they block us from the love of God. They block us from God's power and direction. Me being judgmental and grandiose does not help me. Doesn't help me at all. Me being scared doesn't help me. I need to get rid of it. So I just want, I wrote down, how did I do that? So this is like cleaning your closet. You know, how do you feel if you clean your closet? You know, you can find things again. You can put your clothes together again. You know, everything's all organized. You got rid of all this junk. Um, when I did my, after I did my four-step with my sponsor, I had an empty cup of coffee and I put it in this little metal trash can and made this huge thud. Like it was 50 pounds. That was a sign from my higher power. You know, you did it right, Ray. You did it right. So I'm going to wrap it up there. I hope I covered it. And um, thanks so much for letting me share. Thank, Thank you, Maria. And, and there would be still two minutes. 